This is the Pickle Planet Podcast with Jenna and Tosh. Sit back and get a drink. Let's talk about parenting and how to survive it. Welcome to the Pickle Planet Podcast. Hello, Tosh. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Ready for another awesome podcast today. We've got Sarah Hardy Walsh back with us again today. Welcome back. Thank you. We couldn't get enough of you after the last podcast. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) It is. Well, and and people don't know this listening to, but we keep having conversations in between what we're recording too. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'd say you can expect her back a couple more times. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, especially when she keeps coming up with awesome ideas to talk about, because the the topic for today's podcast is something that you blogged about. Yeah. That that really resonated and that we thought we would uh, turn into more of a conversation. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah if you want to just uh, start us off. Take it away. <laughs> Take, Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Where do I even begin? Maybe I will, uh, maybe I'll rewind, just just like the blog post did, uh, to my own experience in uh, preparing for labor and birth when I was pregnant with my son. And at that time, uh, like so many other times in my life, I knew the goal. And I had been taught along the way to reach a goal. This is what you need to do. You need to research the steps, know the steps, take the steps, you know, lay them out on a map, take the steps, and that'll have you reach your goal. Uh, so I applied the same to when I was pregnant in preparation for labor and birth and early postpartum. I thought, okay, I know the goal. I would like, you know, ideally this type of birth. My, I really want to breastfeed. Um, so there's the goal. So outcome my medical books, outcome all of the research. I mean, today the internet, Dr. Google knows so much um, that, you know, I was, it was information and more and more and more and more um, to the point where I was feeling overwhelmed, but still unprepared. And it came to me one day, you know, oh, there was this um, TED Talk that I watched a while back. For some reason, I, I want to watch it again. Uh, and it's a TED Talk by Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's a neuroscientist uh, in the U.S. somewhere. Uh, and she had the wondrous experience of witnessing her own stroke. And so that was what her TED Talk was about, was this experience of her stroke. And the stroke happened in the left side of her brain. Um, and so she got a very strong, distinct experience of the workings of the right side of the brain. Uh, and so what she talks about in that video is sort of the differences between the two sides of the brain and how they process material and how they use material. And so the left brain thinks very linearly, very methodically. It looks at the past and the future, and it takes sort of what we're experiencing in our present moment and picks out all the different details and details and details and categorizes them into everything that we've experienced in our past and then all of the possibilities for the future. So it's very... Well, linear. Yeah. <laughs> right? Straightforward. Very much like that plan and that process. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, how how I learned and how it was reinforced for me as a kid and as a young adult how to reach a goal. You collect all of that information and you categorize it and you make that map and you follow that map. And then she talked about the right side of the brain. And the right side of the brain is very 
entrenched in this present moment. It thinks in pictures instead of language, and so it takes sort of a huge collage of the present moment. Um, it learns uh, kinesthetically, so through moving and touching and experiencing, um, where the left brain is learning more through, through language and communication and that sort of thing. Um, and so in this process of preparing for labor and birth, uh, what I had done is I had filled my left brain with all of the things, yeah. right? And the reason I didn't feel prepared uh, at the time is that I knew intuitively that something like labor and birth wasn't something I could plan for. It wasn't that single destination goal that I had historically experienced. Like, you know, I want to go to this university and I'm choosing this career, so I'm going to go to this school next and then I'm going to live here, so I'm going to do a business plan and I'm going to set up shop over here. Uh, labor and birth is not like that. <laughs> Breastfeeding is not like that. No. Postpartum is not like that. Mothering is not like that. Uh, and so what that experience for me was calling me to do was to find ways to reconnect with and nourish the right side of my brain. The right side of my brain where creativity and flow and intuition lives when it comes to sort of the circuitry of, of the nervous system and, and that sort of thing. And so um, that's what I did. I experimented with a bunch of different types of meditations. Um, I learned about labyrinths, which are one of my favorite tools for accessing the right side of the brain. Um, I went to yoga classes. I did all of these things that really helped me connect with that instinct and that intuition. And so... Uh, labor and birth did not go according no, to my that was my next question yeah <laughs> um, you know and I think deep down I knew that because you know we hear a lot these days or you can you read a lot online about birth plans and there was something about that term that whole way through my pregnancy that just didn't jive with me I'm like Mm, I don't so think yeah. I can really know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember yeah. reading through parenting books and everyone talking about, you know, have your birth plan and make sure you tell the doctors your birth plan. I'm like, my birth plan is to give birth. Like, it can, like, even the planning part of me went, no, but it can go this, like, million different ways. How do I plan for all those? Yeah. 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 So, so I had actually called mine my birth intention. Like, nice. in the most ideal space, this is what I want to experience and what I want to feel. So no matter yeah. what comes up amidst that process, at the end of it, I want to feel this way. And, and so, so like, yeah, like I say, it, it didn't go. If I, if, I, if I had a birth plan, I would have been very disappointed yes. and possibly traumatized. Yes. Because it, did, it wouldn't have gone according to plan. I had a very medically focused birth, which was not my intention, um, with that kind of snowball of intervention that they talk about. Um, that that resulted in a, a cesarean birth, or what I've come to love calling a belly birth. <laughs> um, and you know, at each of those twists and turns, you know, when when the doctor said, you know, this isn't progressing as we need it to progress, you know, we're gonna get things going with with an induction, or you know, 
Um, when my body finally said, no, I can't do this anymore by myself and I needed to have an epidural or any of those twists and turns along the way, um, I was able to use those tools that I had learned while I was pregnant and connect with that intuition and kind of process the emotions that that disappointment in a way that was coming up at each of those turns that I really didn't want to take but it made the experience much more positive despite not going the way I would want it to go I came away from it feeling stronger going into my postpartum period as opposed to feeling really depleted and and disappointed and worn out Um, And I feel like a lot of what I see, I see a lot of women early postpartum for breastfeeding support, whether it's at the the community drop-in or in the office. And probably... One of the biggest challenges, and this is what got got me thinking about this topic at at first, because we had originally talked about breastfeeding and, and, you know, what could we chat about on the podcast about breastfeeding? And I thought, oh man, I could talk for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But one of the biggest challenges or the biggest obstacles I see for women early postpartum, whether they're breastfeeding or not, is that uh, they haven't learned or they haven't... um, come to know a really helpful way to connect with their intuition so they're they're bombarded by information they're bombarded by how to's how to latch your baby how to get your baby to sleep better how to feed your baby solid foods how to how to how to and it might be coming from an expert it might be coming from a quote-unquote expert. Uh, it may be coming from family or friends. But there's all of this information coming in. And, and moms have a really hard time kind of digging through and figuring out, like, what part of this information is important for me? What part of this information is valuable for how I want to parent, how I want to mother? And so having some kind of way to access that intuition, access that right side of the brain can be really helpful to clear away the clutter. It can be really helpful to zone in on what do I value, what's important to me, how I want to approach this. You know, given all of this information, what parts of it are most valuable for me and for my family and that helps us not only clear away the clutter of the stuff that we don't need to deal with but also to sort of stand strong and true in the decisions that we make as as moms um you know no matter who criticizes or who comes back at us for how dare you or how could you make that it's it, you know it gives us that opportunity to say like no this this is it this is my decision and that's okay with me like you said, there's no way you can prepare for your birth, and especially by reading books. And if it's your first child, it's a good time, if you want to connect with your right brain, to get to those yoga classes and get to those mindfulness classes because this is your last moment alone. <laughs> so, if you, it's true, though. And if you want to learn those ways of connecting that you would be able to use for micro moments alone in the future once baby comes, then that's a great jumping off tool to start prior to baby even coming absolutely it's it's one of the most important aspects to 
birth preparation to postpartum preparation, I find for, for pregnant women, uh, most definitely for the first one. Um, but even afterwards, you know, when, when you're preparing for others to come along or in, when you're in the midst of that early postpartum period and, and really struggling with that overwhelm, it might not be that you can get out to a meditation class or you can't, you know, you can't get out to uh, a yoga class or some you know, somewhere by yourself, but, you know, there's so many great resources at our libraries, um, you know, uh, there are even really great online resources. I was going to say, you can YouTube pregnancy yoga classes or even meditation if you want to get started that way. It's yeah. YouTube is a lifesaver yeah. for, for me. That's how I do most of my workouts is just <laughs> looking up something to do, right? So, yeah. yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be long. It can be, you know, like we talked in the previous podcast, the, the micro self-care. It can be five minutes, you know. Um, I can remember when my son was tiny and, you know, I would go out to a mom's group or a breastfeeding support group and, again, like any mom, be sort of bombarded by information and by how other moms are doing it. And I would get home and I'd be like, holy moly, (laughs) am I doing this right? Yeah. How can I make this better? You know, but again, kind of pausing and taking a deep breath and going like, okay, no, I'm going to, while I'm sitting here nursing and rocking, that baby to sleep who only wants to sleep on me (laughs) I'm going to take the opportunity to just do a very simple breathing exercise I'm going to take an opportunity to um, you know grab my finger labyrinth and trace it a few times I'm going to take an opportunity to uh, you know listen to one of the mantras I heard in a yoga class that I really felt connected with and it can be it can be just that five minutes here and there that um that kind of regrounds and, and reassures um, into into what you really want to do and how you really want to approach things. You've mentioned the labyrinth twice now. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of folks, when they picture a labyrinth, they think of a maze. Yes. There are a couple of Key differences. It's true. It's true. That was such a huge movie. Yeah, yeah. I must have watched that movie a hundred times. So a couple of key differences with labyrinths and with mazes. So labyrinths have one entrance, which is also its exit, and they are what is called unicursal. So they have one pathway to the center and that same pathway out to to the entrance or exit again. So the only decision that needs to be made with the labyrinth is the decision to step into it. As long as we continue forward, we trust that we will eventually reach the center and then we will eventually reach the outside again. Okay. With mazes, there can be more than one entrance or exit. They are built to confuse and mystify us. (laughs) Um, You have to constantly think and plan and retrace your steps and turn around and go the other way and so if we're looking at sort of relating it back to that left and right side of the brain the maze is very left brain Mm -hmm. it's the planning it's the process that kind of approach labyrinth is very very right brain kind of intuitive as long as you're moving with the flow of the pathway you'll get to where you need to go and as long as you're moving with the flow of the pathway out, again, you'll get to where you need to go. Labyrinths 
have been found throughout the world for thousands of years. They across cultures, across religions, so they're a very universal symbol. Um, they were they used in spiritual practices. Historically, healers and midwives would use them as sort of a supportive decision-making tool, sort of to connect with their intuition when it came to how to approach and support a client. The sort of what they call a classic seven-circuit labyrinth has uh, seven layers to its its pathway, and when when you look at the shape of it, uh, it looks kind of like a brain. So just the tracing, whether, whether it's a small version that you're tracing with a finger or if it's a larger version, um, you know, folks have, have cut them into their lawns, they've uh, shaped them into their gardens and, and those kinds of things that you can actually walk a labyrinth, that that shifting back and forth as you kind of circle through the labyrinth helps us to shift back and forth between the left and the right sides of the brain. And so for me, um, where the logical process-oriented left side of my brain is very strong and well-trained, um, the labyrinth I find is a really helpful tool to distract yeah. <laughs> that you know that that very experienced left side of brain yeah. that thinking, so that it's easier for me to access that that right side that creativity that flow and okay. that intuition. Yeah. So there's yeah. yeah many different tools that people could use like the coloring or mm-hmm. anything that taps into your creative side. Yeah. I think yes. I think more and more people are talking about that. Especially I know in my circle, more and more people are understanding the importance of just being creative it doesn't matter what you're creating it doesn't matter whether it's you know good or not at the end it's the process you know don't let go of that process of creating and don't try to force it into a plan it's not a oh you have to do this 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 it's just no no here's a bunch of stuff do something with it yeah like i think you know i it it took me a little while to learn that with my kids Right, that whole idea of like, oh, let's make some crafts together and be like, okay, no, if I want something beautiful to frame to, you know, give to the grandparents, mm-hmm. that is, that's one thing that that is a plan and that's doing something. That yes. is not letting them create. Right. Yes. Right. You yeah. need to let them just create and make a mess and do whatever and whatever mm-hmm. it looks like, it's beautiful. That's perfect. Yes. You might not want to gift it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but don't mess up their process. Don't yes. by giving it a process. Let them just create Mm -hmm. and we need to do the same too Mm -hmm. right and I think that's something that you know we talked about it before those those little micro things that you can do for self-care it doesn't have to be going out to a pottery class no like just yeah let yourself play with whatever craft supplies you have or a coloring book that's you know just take a blank piece of paper and just start doodling doodling, some of the times that I can remember finding myself feeling relaxed would be when I'd sit down with the crayon box and the marker box to test them all to see which one still worked. Yes. Because it was it was that like, oh, it's just a blank piece of paper. There's no special thing we're drawing or coloring. I'm just testing each one to see if it still works. Yes. It's like, oh, yep, look at that. Now I've scribbled this one and I drew a heart with this one and this one just kind of shaded over here. It's like, yep, this is good. And like there was a little bit of process because I was trying to weed out the ones that should be in the garbage. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it was that blank page. Yeah. There's no rule, just do what you want to do exactly and it's funny i hadn't stopped to think lately about you know this next stage of parenting that we're getting into because i don't know how many 
new parents are listening to the podcast yet i think a lot of people are kind of our age and they have their kids already yeah, and yeah the more you were talking the more you i was thinking wow you know i haven't really stopped to think that kind of right side what are our intentions what do we want to do in this you know tween stage teen stage when i was pregnant yeah. you had nine months Yes. Yeah, you know, you had, you yes. had the time of thinking about being pregnant, mm-hmm. yes. and then there was the time of being pregnant, and then even when there were kids, I remember making a conscious decision back then to read more parenting books than labor books. So it was like, who, I, I don't really? need to, I, yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going yeah. to trust my doctors. I, you know, I'm not going to jump in the middle of whatever's going on and tell you, mm-hmm. you know, this or that when it comes to the medical details. I don't need to fill my head full of all these, you know, I need a broad picture, mm-hmm. but you know, what mattered to me was the, okay, no, how am I going to parent in six months and a year and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I read way more parenting books than I did pregnancy books. Yeah. But I haven't gone back to that sense right now. It's like, oh, yeah, we're we're getting close to going into a whole new stage of things. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it was like, okay, how am I going to be intentional and, like, let that right side figure out what it needs to do for this next stage and that's it and you know our kids are very often our greatest teachers whether we expect them to be or not at every single stage you know that when I mean they're definitely more dependent on us when they're tiny people but as they grow there's a lot of experiences that they encounter that they're going to count on us for parenting them through and so absolutely where what part of me am I going to be wanting to lead through that parenting aspect um how do I want to approach that and how do I make sure that my own experiences as a a, a young girl as a tween and as a teen don't color my kids experience or or how I parent my kids through that experience Um, So having a way to connect with that creativity and that intuition can be so, so helpful through that whole journey of of parenting, most absolutely. And what I love when you were talking about creativity, Jenna, you said, you know, how can we be creative, right? We're so used to doing. Mm -hmm. We don't do creative. We be creative. Mm -hmm. And so that introduces that aspect of being into it, I had um, a massage therapist who I met a long time ago who said, you know, Sarah, I have to constantly remind myself that I'm a human being, not a human doing. Mm. Um, and that's, that's followed me for a long, long time. But yeah, having that way to access that, that creativity and to parent from that. Gather that information. Gather information from good quality sources please don't just ask Dr. Google, you know, find a way to really sift through and find the the good resources, be informed on that aspect, and then connect with your intuition and let that guide you to what aspects of that information are going to be most helpful for, for you and your process and your parenting process and well, that's the thing. Like, like you said in the beginning, you had a, a goal. You took your steps. You reached the end goal. But you can't. You don't. You can't have a goal when you're parenting, because you can be like, "Well, my kid's going to be a lawyer, and I'm going to make that happen." Right. From, you know what Good I mean? Luck. Like, you can't. You can't. 
I mean, you could put your kid through all those steps, but good luck to you. Good luck to you. I think there's one thing we all know here as parents is they never do what we want them to do. Or expect them, right? Yeah, I expect it. It kind of pulls out that aspect of expectation. That kind of linear planning works for processes that we have a large amount of control over. Yeah, like what you're going to make for supper tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, maybe maybe don't be creative there. Yeah, a few times I've tried to be creative in that space. Yeah, it doesn't work out. No, no that, that the left side can take over. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, I'm sure, do wonderful. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Side. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but for processes that we don't have a large portion of control over, those old ways or those learned ways of planning and mapping out, they don't work. So we, we need something else to rely on. We need something else to, to count on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to see one person say that this was my birth map and it happened that way. I've, I've, I've met a couple. Yeah. I've, I've met a couple. Exists, but I think yeah. it's just, that's just dumb luck that it worked Maybe, out the yeah. way they planned. Yeah. Right? Like, you, you don't have that control. You don't. No. no. Right? No. You, you might have lucked out mm-hmm. that your experience matched what you planned. But I think it's luck when that happens. And then it's such a hardship for all those other people who see that example yeah. and expect the same thing for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, you should understand what some of the differences are and you should have that sense of, I want to try for a natural birth or, you know, if, you know, I C-section's fine with me, we can do that right off the bat, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever you're comfortable with, you should know that and have that, you know, that ideal. Yeah, that loose yeah, yeah, that, but, that but yeah, intention. no. I've seen some people who have yeah, like yeah. planned yeah. it right out. I can remember looking at birth plans and they having like numbered lines. And I'm like, well, did they get like? Did you get one when you? Because I, I got a birth plan from the hospital and they were like, fill this information out, make sure you like give I, it to your doctor. I feel like at the Moncton I did hospital. the first yeah. time, but see, both of mine, yeah, were totally not like. Yeah, no one planned anything that happened with me either time. Yeah. <laughs> no, there is no. there is no plan in writing that says let's induce someone for a week. Yeah, <laughs> no, right. Just, yeah, that doesn't no, exist. That doesn't exist. No, 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 and no. it's not fun. Don't no. do it. Don't make the plan. <laughs> you know, there, there's also no plan that you know says you know you're going to have crazy complications that are rare and you're going to have to yeah. fly halfway across the country. No, don't. Yeah. No one plans for these things. Exactly, no. they yeah. happen. They happen. And yeah. I think that one of one of the really good things that can come from looking at sort of a stereotypical birth plan is uh, a woman and her partner understanding what all of the possibilities are and being able to discuss with a healthcare provider when I have a choice, this is my choice. Right. Yes. Right? To be able to communicate in that way, but then also not be attached to a specific outcome right specific experience if the song's not playing while my baby is born then forget it (laughs) yeah you can keep that on loop for a couple yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but but to have that that's why it's important to kind of have have that information have that knowing have those decisions made but also have an idea and communicate that idea to a partner and to a healthcare provider whether it's about labor and birth or breastfeeding or whatever part of parenting this is how i want to feel as a mom mm-hmm. right so despite all of these things i don't have control over somehow i want to find a way to feel confident 
to feel loving towards myself and my family, to feel supported. Those types of sort of key ingredients can, that can support us through that whole mothering experience, those things can happen no matter what the actual experience or process looks like. Yeah. And it's fine to plan for those. Absolutely. Throw them in there and say, you know, I want you up here and not down there. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't want anybody else in this room while I'm birthing except for my partner and my medical team. Or I want my whole extended family in this room while I'm birthing. Whatever that looks like for you, right? Mm -hmm. To look at the ideals, but also look at the, hmm, what about the not so ideals? And how might I address that from an emotional perspective if those things come up i remember uh when aaron was born i was lucky enough to be in a ward with four of the women boy that was great Uh, (laughs) that's just wonderful that year but the girl who was like directly across from me first baby she was young and she had the plan so drilled in her brain that she cried for the 24 hours i was in there after Aaron was born she was crying because she lost that And it was like, I felt like she wasn't connecting with her child because she was so upset that she didn't get the birth that she wanted. Mm -hmm. And she was calling everybody and crying to them that she didn't get the birth that she wanted. Mm -hmm. And I I felt so bad that she was so reliant on, and that that had got stuck in her brain that, that, um, especially because it was my second kid. And I was like, yeah, no, I know by this point, ain't (laughs) nothing going the way you want it to go today. So yeah. 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 But it, it, it does, it, it's such a shame that something that's meant to help you prepare actually sets you up for failure in that way when you, when you don't have that balance to it, right? When you get so stuck on the, that idea Mm -hmm. that someone has told you, Oh, make a plan and we'll stick to the plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's such a failure for that mother that no one helped her understand like, yeah, no, this is, this is best case. And this is, you know, how how do you factor in those other things? Because Yeah. yeah, you know, if she had, you know, 10 years ago didn't have the plan right. and had whatever birth she had she might have been just fine right right but exactly. now that we've all got this idea that we're supposed to have a plan yes and then it doesn't happen yeah she like you said she spent that whole day just miserable miserable yeah and and you when know, it should be the most important day of your life well yeah and some people that you know that that just extends like how how long before you let go of that hurt and like yes there are always going to be situations where births do not go as you expect and you're going to end up with feelings and trauma and everything else that can come out of it yeah you know even if you're feeling okay in the moment there's still stuff that down the road you're gonna be like man Mm -hmm. you know i'm really upset that never in my life have i going to experience vaginal birth i'm actually okay with that (laughs) it doesn't it does not upset me (laughs) but for some people it would yes and and that's that's completely fair and same thing like you have to take the time to feel that and to deal with that Mm -hmm. and you know what yeah sometimes life has disappointments yeah and it is it is it's it's making that space and taking that time to feel that i feel like as a culture in general we're not superbly good at right right? and so whether it's a mom who has just birthed her baby and is feeling positive about the experience and the outcome or a mom who had this plan that she was expecting would come into being and it didn't and is feeling really disappointed and and rotten Uh, along the way 
parenting is going to pull up emotion. It's going to pull up new emotion when it comes to the experience that we're having with our kids. It's going to pull up old stuff that we experienced probably a long time ago. And having a space and the support to process that emotion um, is so important for our overall health. And so, again, whether it's a counselor or a trusted healthcare practitioner or a trusted friend or someone who is willing to just be in a moment with a mom, no matter what her stage of parenting is, uh, and just listen and help her process that is such a gift. So often we just keep going, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think of all of those moms early on, whether they've had a positive birth experience or a negative birth experience, that they, they leave their birth location, they go home, and they just go on. Right? There's people coming in, there's people going out, and mom's going out and or you know, gathering in all these places and moving and you know, whatever it happens to be. There's a lot of doing. Um and sometimes sometimes I wonder if that doing has a purpose of numbing us out a little bit when it comes to those emotions that are coming up around around mothering and, and that experience of it no matter the stage of things. Last comments before we wrap up this episode? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. I think the basic mm. synopsis is is that try not to be so in the moment, but be so in the moment. You know what I mean? Like, try not, try not to structure your moment, but still be in the moment. Be in the moment. Yeah. If there's one thing that stepping into motherhood has taught me that I need to work at or practice at is going with the flow yes right me too hallelujah yeah going with the flow (laughs) and to have ways of supporting yourself to connect with that flow to, to have ways of sort of feeling solid and present in the moment um will make that experience of the unexpected Mm-hmm. Uh, so much more positive, joyful in some cases, <laughs> challenging. Yes, yeah. <laughs> all of those things. Yeah, but but it'll it'll feel it'll feel like you're that big oak tree that's like rooted right into the depths of the ground, and no matter sort of what life tosses you in the wind, your branches are going to move, but you're not going to fall over. Right. Right? That having that connection with that right side of your brain, that creativity, that intuition, it roots you in. It keeps you steady in those challenging, stormy times. That's a great way to end it. One more thing before we wrap up, yeah. though, because we didn't introduce you when we started today. We just said your name, but we didn't we didn't give any of your credentials. That's right. So, what do you... You guys all listened to the last one. You know exactly what you're yeah. Exactly. But I think it's really important that um, people know that you have this experience uh, and that you are also somebody that they can go talk to if, if need be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a registered naturopathic doctor here in Moncton, uh, and I support a lot of moms in that transition into motherhood and that journey through motherhood uh, with that focus on what I've come to call 
informed, intuitive mothering. So my job is to help you collect that reliable information um, about your health history, about your questions, about all of those things, uh, but then to support you in reconnecting with that inner wisdom, that intuition that's going to uh, guide you in that decision-making, whether it's decision-making about your own health and how you want to approach it, or whether it's decision-making in your parenting or your child's health as well. Perfect. And where can they find you? They can find me at uh, in person <laughs> at Clinic Natura in downtown Moncton uh, and uh, online, sarahhardywalsh.com. Uh, I'm putting together uh, a new um, little freebie that has the video of how to create your own finger labyrinth so that you can do that experience at home and start playing around with it a little bit so that uh, should be up hopefully as as listeners are listening it will already be up tech god's willing yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh on facebook dr sarah hardy walsh you'll find me there um where i like to share lots of resources and support tools and tips and that sort of thing for mothering and parenting and family health 